0: Take your Bibles and turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10 is our text for tonight. This morning we looked at being thankful for what we have ahead as we look into eternity. But then, tonight we're looking at thankful for what He has done. Um, I, I sure appreciate testimonies tonight, the salvation of things. Sometimes a lot of people say some nice things about me, and I do appreciate that, but... Please don't give glory to me that belongs to God, okay? Yeah. That, uh, I, I do want you to know that uh, the good things that God has maybe used me to bless you was God. It wasn't me, okay? It was God just used me. And God wants you to use that vessel as well, okay? He wants you to use you as a vessel that can help others. Well, our text is Isaiah chapter 46 and beginning with verse 8. Remember this, and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O oh, ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else like me. There's none like him. I am God, there's none else. I am God, he says the second time. And there is none like like me declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure that reminds me of the New Testament passage in Acts chapter 15 verse 18 knowing unto God are all his works from the beginning and so here we have a New Testament, Old Testament uh, passage from we're reading the New Testament passage just fit hand in glove. It goes right together. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for all that you have done for us. I, I thank you for what you're going to do for us. Lord, I thank you for the testimonies tonight and to hear how you have blessed so many people. That, that is a blessing, Lord, and to hear them rejoicing because they're rejoicing in the things of your hand. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to delve into your word tonight. I pray that it would be that blessing that each of us need, the things that you want us to hear, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 57 years ago today, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas. I remember... I was in eighth grade at the time. As a matter of fact, class I was in, it wasn't even announced over the speaker yet because they didn't know he was dead yet, and I just remember the bell rang walking down the hallway and some uh, high school guy came by and said, the dude is dead. Dude. Dude. I said, who's, who's the dude and who's dead? And he said, President Kennedy. I said, come on. No, he is. He's dead. Uh, Next class, the principal came on and he announced it to everybody. But I, I used that because it was several years later that I would hear teachers and other people ask the question one of another, where were you when the president was assassinated? What was your reaction? And we talked about the places we were, how old we were at the time that that happened. And and, and we remember back uh, on those things. I. I can remember uh, growing up, hearing the older folks talk about, uh, what were you when you heard about Pearl Harbor being bombed by the Japanese? And their reactions, and it was interesting to hear some of the things that they did and said, some of the men that decided, I'm going straight down to volunteer. And, and that was uh, something just to hear their reactions. And then we had 9-11. It's fun to watch uh, younger teachers that have just graduated from college and they come in here to teach and they'll say, you remember 9-11? Then all of a sudden they're saying, huh? No, I don't remember that. I wasn't alive then. (laughs) Okay, but it's still very real. But we remember where we were and what we were doing and and how we heard it and things of that nature. And that just seems to be something that uh, when something of that nature happens, we tend to remember Reaction, our age, and just uh, what we were doing at the time. Most of us can't remember what we were doing yesterday at this time. Okay, but uh, nonetheless, when something like that happens, we all can remember, and that's just the way it seems to happen. But you know, all of that I say all of that to say this: if you're saved, if you're saved tonight, you know that you died; that heaven's your home you are going to experience the rapture. And that's something, yeah, we do praise the Lord for that. Amen. But I wonder if the question will be asked by others who are caught up with us, where were you when you were raptured? What were you doing when he came to take us home you know I don't think that you know sometimes people get together they get together with old friends and they talk about the bad things they did Sometimes, man I went to Vegas some say man we got drunk oh man we did this we did that and it's always the sinful things and they say it almost gleefully but the rebellion against God in a Christian's life Will not be something that we remember fondly but rather we'll be ashamed the bible says at his appearing so it's really something to really think about as we look to our text we do see first of all remember the failures in verse eight look at it again remember this and show yourselves men bring it again to mind o oh, ye transgressors he says remember this and show yourselves men i can remember my dad saying to us when we were growing up and we would say it to one another when we'd challenge one another would say are you a man or a mouse I remember one my dad said that to one man he says, Squeak, squeak uh, you know and, and so it was uh, uh just like that back then and uh, when you grow up and there's five boys in the family uh it's a challenge more than it is anything. Are you a man or a mouse, okay, come on, come on, let's get it on okay but uh that's that's just the way it was and and that's kind of the question here when he says Show yourselves men. Stand. And I don't even think that was a bad thing for dad to say to his kids because they're boys. He wants them when they grow up to be men of their household that stands up, protects their family and leads their home. And so basically what is being said here I gave you a position in your home. I gave you a position in your life. Accept personal responsibility. Be a man. Do what you're supposed to do. Own up to what you've done wrong. And make it right. Remember. Just remember. Do what you're supposed to do. Do it now. And do it right. God is addressing Israel here in our text. He talks before this part of Babylon. One day being destroyed. But what is so interesting about that. This prophecy. Is before Israel's gone into captivity. It'd be like me saying. All right. uh, in in six months or in a year from now we'll be under socialism remember how it was before that remember how it was when we were free remember how it was when we uh could gather at church when we go out and witness when we could do this and do that remember how it was when uh you didn't hear cussing in television my generation would know that you didn't hear cussing on television and 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 you uh had news people that were actually journalists and so when, when, when you think about that and, and you think back about that, we want to say, well, those socialists. No, it might be that we Christians dropped the ball. You see. And so he's talking about you're going to fall, but he's made an everlasting covenant, so they are going to come back. And they will be back. And so remember, When you come back, why you fail. Do what you need to be doing. Prepare. Okay, it's bad. It's going to be bad. And why it's in the bad parts? Begin to think about. I need to get right with God now. But then I got to trust God and prepare for when he restores. Got to repent now. How am I going to lead my family? how am i going to live my life and so he tells them to bring it to mind remember and then he adds ye transgressors you see he's looking at each of us individually and that's all right because we each have an individual Relationship with the Lord if you're saved. And so it's looking at it take to take personal responsibility. Remember what you have lost. I think of people who said, Boy, I used to go on visitation. Man, I used to do this. I used to do that. I, I sang in the choir. I, I taught a Sunday school class. Or I was there. I'd never miss church. So what happened? We might blame a preacher, we might blame the church people and the way they gossip, or we might blame this, blame that situation happened, but really what it comes down to is that we're not taking responsibility that we might blame others. Sorry. Sorry. Look, people, even people in God's house, are going to do wrong things. But that is never an excuse for me in my personal relationship with the Lord Amen. to stop. Serving him and walking with him. It's not him that's doing wrong. It may be those people. And if I do wrong by rebelling against it. It's also me doing wrong. Don't go back. To those ways of that cost you to go into captivity. Yeah, you're going to come out. And when you come out be ready to go back to the old paths, as it says in Jeremiah 6:16. 6, oh, they refused to go to those old paths and they ended up in captivity because they would not. But he called them back there before they actually went to captivity. Well you and I have to understand today in this day in which we live that as Christians, We also, like Israel, have an everlasting covenant with God. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. We know when he saved us, we were his. We know he gave us everlasting life. But we also know if we don't walk in the light as he is in the light, he will chasten his own, he will scourge his own, and he will bring judgment. And clearly, 1 Peter four seventeen says, judgment begins at the house of God. You see, he says, show yourselves men. So he's saying to us, don't blame the culture. Don't blame that all the churches are changing. Don't blame society. None of those are your God, I am so we turn to him and we trust him. It comes down to a matter of how much we trust God. Be prepared, prepare your life, prepare your family, repent. Bring it to mind. It's a personal responsibility. Remember what you've lost. I mean, Israel is the number one power in the world. and all of it was lost. Remember, however, why you lost it. You were the transgressor. I am going to restore you, but when I do, you will need to go back to those old paths and remember God's blessing and how he's blessed you and why he blessed you. Look, America came here, those folks came on boats, come over here. They wanted the freedom to worship. Have you ever thought about that? You know there are those that went to South America before they went here. There were explorers that went to South America. Oh, gold in abundance. Oh, the fruitful plains and everything else they had. It was far richer than America. But you see, they went there to increase riches. Our forefathers come here to worship God and to be able to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he blessed us for it. Those pilgrims. And we find that through our founding fathers, old Thomas Jefferson had a Baptist preacher named Roger Williams who helped him in writing that First Amendment the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. And that was a vast Baptist preacher. We heard uh, Brother Osborne talking about the different uh, colleges up there, Harvard, Yale, and all that. They were established to spread the gospel, to study the word of God, to exalt the Lord and Savior. But all of that was left behind. And we see today, as a result of that, God's hand must move in judgment. You see... We are going to be tested. We had this country start for the right reason, so don't leave those reasonings because it's, as they say, the Judeo-Christian ethic. But if you know that you will be tested, understand the measure of that testing is God. He may allow the world to test you very, very harshly. How many died at the hands of Babylon? How many died and suffered loss of all they had? How about the early church when they were hauling men off to prison, men and women, and taking all their goods? And they counted it all joy to be counted worthy To suffer for the cause of Christ. Now understand. The measure of God. Is the judging principle. It's not what man thinks. It's what said the word of God. It's doing God's will, God's way that brings a good report, doing it in God's timing. What maintains right is what brings a good report of well done, good, and faithful servant. So keep it in mind what causes failure in your Christian life. Get in the Word, meditate on the Word. Bring that word before your mind each and every day that when that temptation hits you in the many ways that it can hit you, you're prepared for the battle. I remember as a little boy, if I got stung by a wasp, I'd begin to swell up. I'd have to get a shot. As a matter of fact, one time got, <laughs> I was by myself at home. My mom and dad had gone shopping. I don't know what the, where they were, but they weren't there. I got stung right there on the lip, my whole head started to swell up. My lip top upper lip was down over here over my chin. Matter of fact, I was walking back towards the house and dad and them, mom were coming in the car. Dad said, Look at that kid, he's a mess. <laughs> huh. Dad said, That's your son. <laughs> I mean mom said, That's your son, Andy. And and so I had to go get a shot. If I don't get the shot, I would have died. It's concerning when your parents are considering not doing that to the world and taking it to get your shot. That didn't happen though. Okay. But again, let's understand. Trials and troubles come. And it is the proving of our faith. What do we need to remember? You're saved. You're saved. You're saved from your sin. You're saved to have eternal life as well. You're saved. Oh, what he saved you from. Remember what he has done. Remember those victories when you were serving Jesus as you ought to serve him. Remember. Remember that you might have future victory. And here's what you need to remember. Look at verse 9 now. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like unto me. You know, when he says remember the things of old, he's saying specifically. A testimony meeting like we had tonight is... Remembering. Remembering remembering what God did. And these people gave praise to God for what he did. Okay. That that is remembering. Remembering. Know that God knows what he is doing. Now I wonder if Job and Paul thought God knows what he's doing when they were going through what they were going through. But they could tell you, yes, God knows what he is doing. Each generation that comes along thinks that they are superior to the previous generation by their accumulation of knowledge. And yet, knowledge is not wisdom, the wisdom that comes from above. There is a worldly wisdom that is soundly defeated by godly wisdom. I Took the time to put down Henry Morse's statement that he made on this very subject. He states, each generation thinks itself superior, forgetting the lessons of past history. The fact is that although technology may change, God does not change. He is still king and the only potentate. By the way, potentate is, means absolute ruler. And he's the ruler of all creation. Although God does not change, unfortunately, our human nature and our free will so often makes decisions that we've changed from the way that we have chose to walk when we chose to walk with God. We cannot understand the present nor the future without understanding God's record of creation and world history. You know what? I believe Dr. Henry Morris got that right. He got that right. If you know that very fact, then God's word needs to be your manual for wisdom and all accurate knowledge. Psalms 138.2, he says he, that he has exalted his word above his name, and that name is great. But he left this word and he preserved it for us for a guide to victorious living. <coughs> victorious living mean, does not mean that you have no faults. No, victorious living does, does not mean that there will never be any trials. Victorious Living does not mean that you'll go through all kinds of suffering and pain. It does not mean that. But I do know this. That even if it means death. Even if it means death. Yea, thou walk through the valley of death. Thou art with me. And so, as we look at that, if you know God's word, that is the first step. He says, I am God and there's none else. Now, as we look at those two phrases in this one verse in verse nine, twice it says, I am God. The first mention of God uses the Hebrew word L E L, okay? And sometimes you'll hear El Shaddai and other names. L refers to God. The word L emphasizes the might of God. Matter of fact, Roman emperors, as well as others, often would use the word L for themselves to be worshiped as a God. Their hatred of Christianity was really, and even of Jewish people, was bounded in the doctrine of one God, and him only shalt thou serve. So there was a hatred of Christianity. There was much persecution with Christians dying very cruel deaths. Some of them were fed to lions. A matter of fact, that led to, to conversion of many in Roman Colosseums as they saw the peace these people had when being attacked and devoured by lions and the joy even they would have. Some were sawn in half. Rabbinic writings show that Isaiah was sawn in half and Hebrews says some were sawn in half. I can't imagine taking a living human being taking a saw while they're alive and sawing them in half. I can't imagine that. I don't want to imagine that. There were other cruel ways, but their belief of only one God, Jehovah God, they would die for the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for them. They'd be killed rather than to worship Caesar Because they could not consider him God. And you think of that. People died for him. And yet, their death did not accomplish what Jesus' death accomplished for us. But Jesus' death did help them to die in peace. Even though they were tormented and tortured to death. Yes, El, the God of might. And our God is almighty. He is the Lord God. And that is the biggest difference between our God and the gods of this world. Oh, Jehovah God. There is no other. There is no other almighty God. Look in the previous chapter, 45, verses 22 and 23. Look unto me, O ye saved. Uh-oh. That's going troubled some people. They thought only New Testament people got saved. But he said, "All ye saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow. Does that remind you of a verse in Philippians chapter 2? Beginning in verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who been in the form of God, Not, not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant. And being made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. And became obedient. Unto death. Even the death of the cross. Oh what a cruel thing that was. Wherefore. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The devils in hell will have to admit that one day. Every person that died in their sin and went to hell will admit that. Those in heaven will bow to their knee and say Jesus is Lord. Now, my friend, Jesus is Lord. And we have this word, Jesus. At his name they bow. And he's exalted his word even above his name. Oh, the need that we have to be in God's word daily. If we're going to be victorious, we can't ignore a word that God so miraculously has preserved down through the years and ages. The second I am God uses the name Elohim for God. Elohim is a plural noun in the Hebrew and refers to Almighty God. But what is interesting is that when it's using it of Almighty God, of Jehovah, Elohim, because sometimes the world tries to use that for their gods, and it is not their God. But Elohim, when referring to our God, was always followed by a verb, a singular verb. Wait a minute, a plural. In Hebrew, you've got plural. It can be two or more, but more often it's three or more. But when you have a plural, and it's followed by a singular verb, rule of grammar, in the Hebrew language of that day, it is showing that whatever that, verb, uh, whatever that noun is, the verb being singular shows, it's of one essence. Elohim. I am God, I am Elohim. The Lord says to them. Plural. Three. Three. Three divine persons in one divine essence. Amen. The Trinity was taught in the Old Testament. Amen. He is God. In John 14, 23, we see an outcome of that. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. When you have God abiding in you, which he does at salvation, we say the Holy Spirit was given to indwell us the moment we received Christ, and that is true. The Holy Spirit's part of the Trinity. Do you know that Jesus, when he was on the cross, I- I've heard people teach this, that he ceased being the part of the Trinity at that moment. No, he didn't. All the wrath that was poured out on Jesus was poured out on his human spirit, not on his deity. There he is in his love for us. The Holy Spirit indwelling you has to look at his ministry that he does in you. And one of the ministries that he has is this word that has been so honored that it's exalted above even the name of Jesus. It is breathed out by that Holy Spirit to men, and then it is taught to us by the Spirit of God because that's His ministry in us. But we've got God abiding in us. That's why one of the great sins that Christians commit is to quench the Holy Spirit, to grieve the Holy Spirit. Sin will do that in our lives. Remember, that is what he did for us is when he has saved us, he come and made his abode in us. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. You ask me how I know he lives? (laughs) He lives within my heart. Amen. 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 Yes, he lives. And my friend, he lives in me in the person of the Holy Spirit, but the Father and the Son making their abode because it's a trinity but the, what is manifested is the work of the Holy Spirit in you right now. The Holy Spirit doesn't cease being part of the Trinity because he's in us. Jesus did not cease being part of the Trinity because he shed his blood. Oh no, he is God. And the Holy Ghost is doing his word at Christ's bidding, but you must be in the word of God Ours is to study the word of God. Show yourself approved unto God. It is good for us to know and remember Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what that means? It means we continue to sin. We keep on sinning. That's the way it's written in this Greek. Continue. For all have sinned and come short. We continually come short of the glory of God. What is God's glory? Jesus Christ. You're not compared with me, and I'm not compared with you. We're compared to Jesus Christ. We come so short. All have sinned. You see, just like here in our text, transgressors. Romans six twenty three. for the wages, what we've earned, what we have coming to us, for the wages of sin. Is death, the final, complete separation from God forever in that fiery lake of fire. But God paid that penalty for us. So in Romans five eight, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, just like we are, we don't get good enough for God to save us. No, while we were yet sinners, just like we are, Christ died. For us, that's one of the most profound thoughts in the Word of God. Right. Christ died for us, sinners, coming short of the glory of God, continually to sin. And when He does come in Second Corinthians five seventeen, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things are passed away, and all things are made new. In First Peter. We see this in chapter two, verse twenty-four and twenty-five. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins, is that a great way to be? Dead to sins consequence. We being dead to sins should live. Unto righteousness. When we don't seek to live unto righteousness, we fail God miserably. Because we're failing one of the purposes He had in our salvation. We may not be doing those things the world does, but we are grieving the Holy Spirit. And He says, By whose stripes ye are healed, for ye were as sheep going astray but now are you returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls just remember from what you were uh, saved and and look ahead uh, to appear before him one day having lived a thankful life for the one who saved you from hell from sin's penalty living a life of obedience and loving submission to God. That's looking back. And being thankful, remembering what He's done for us. So verse 10 kind of closes it out, saying, declaring the end from the beginning, as we shared Acts fifteen, eighteen as well with that. And from ancient times of things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. If We broke this down. It actually tells us why there's none like him. Looking at at it by its words. Declaring the end from the beginning. That word declare means. Bring to light. Declare or explain. That which might be an enigma or something unknowing or concealed without his word, we'll never know. And we cannot know the end without his word. Without, without his word, when a loved one dies, we do not have comfort. We do not have hope. The Hebrew word used here is used to refer Declaring that, beginning from the end. The end is referring to a prophetic end. Not just life on earth. A prophetic end. By him, we know how it ends. But he declares it from the beginning. That word beginning means from the foundation. The beginning of creation. That's why you read in John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made, and Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now, whoever the Word is, He's God, and He's the light. He's the true light. And that Word Verse 14 of John 1 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. there's only one word that was God that was made flesh. That was Jesus Christ. And he dwelt among us. He made his abode. He made his home for a short time on earth. But when you receive him forever in you. He comes in, as we read in John 14, earlier and makes his abode never to move out. Eternal. Eternal. And so we see that in the beginning was the word. You know that word was there in its Greek language indicates that at the very moment before anything was ever conceived, before anything was ever created, was. He always was. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You know, people don't have a real hard time understanding what everlasting means. It means forever. No end. But with Jesus Christ, there was no beginning. He existed in spirit, but always he existed as the Son of God. It wasn't until 2,000 years ago he took on human flesh and became a human son of God as well. And so, as we look at it, when he first created everything that was created, he was already existing. It is referring to the very conception, that word, that is before the foundations of the world. He planned in his to make us in his image. A spirit. God is a spirit, and he planned to make us in that image a spirit. He would give us a body. And Jesus would humble himself so much that spirit that created the heavens and the earth two thousand years ago would take on a body because of his love, so that he could die for us. The image we were created in was not the image of his body. It was the image of his spirit. That spirit has a free will. From ancient times shows prophecies are made long before they happen. The cross. We can see it in Genesis chapter 3. The cross. World empires. Four major world empires. and, And Daniel identifies them for us. The Antichrist. Things that not, not, have not happened yet. For an example, the rapture will happen. Better think about those who were without Christ and facing eternal damnation. They could have been saved. We didn't know if they were saved or not, but we doubted it and we just would not witness to them. Maybe we allowed our fear then to be greater than our fear of God in our belief in a real, literal, burning hell from which there's no salvation, one second, one enters. Oh, be thankful for what He has done for us. He completed the work before we were ever born. His counsel will stand. That is every instruction in His Word, every promise in His Word, all the wisdom of His Word for living. And if we will actually believe that, then we can do just as the old Job did 3,500 years ago and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Now, I don't want to close this out without saying, first of all, can you give a biblical reason to know that you're saved? Can you remember the day you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Some people say there was a date. I know the date I was born physically, but I don't remember. But the relationship drove it home to me. I can't tell you the exact date I was saved, but I know I got saved. I know I'm saved. God saved my soul. So, do you know that you're saved? Don't waste a death, burial, and resurrection to fulfill the lust of your desires. Remember your failures if you are saved and not ever, to allow them to bring you down again. Do we witness? Are we faithful? Are we separate from this world, but separated unto God? It's one thing to be separated from the world, but let's be separated unto God as well. And my friend, I don't know what it takes what it was that took you away, but you can always come back. If you're breathing, you can always come back to Him. Yes, I'm thankful for what He's done to save me. I'm thankful for the things that He's done in my life. I had planned tonight to preach a sermon on the many blessings of God, answers to prayer and things like that that I've had in my life as a testimony. But as I said before I started the sermon, I think it might get people to glorify me instead of my Father in Heaven. My Savior. If you're not sure if you die tonight that Heaven's your home, you know you can nail that tonight by coming to Him. He'll in no wise cast you out. But if you are saved, what will you have to lay at his feet? What will you have to say, I have finished my course. You can't finish a course if knowing that we are his workmanship created into Christ, in Christ Jesus unto good works and you don't even know what those works are. You don't know what it is. Then you can't say, I have finished my course. I would say and being thankful for what he's done is that tonight you can even be more thankful for what he will do if you'll say all for Jesus. I surrender all to him. I freely give. Let's bow our heads, please.